0: Coming up on the Mission Readiness Podcast.
1: Cooking is really everything. There isn't anything you can't teach through cooking. You want to t- teach finances? You can do it through cooking and Budget? Food. You yeah, want to absolutely. teach science? You want to teach cultural uh, openness? You know, you can, language?
0: Mission Readiness is the organization of retired admirals and generals working to prepare America's youth for success. Join us as we talk with respected leaders about the challenges facing our next generation. And now, retired U.S. Army Brigadier General Rich Gross and Mission Readiness National Director Jake Ferreira.
2: Welcome to the Mission Readiness Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Gross. With me, as always, Jake Ferreira, the National Director of Mission Readiness. Jake, how are you? I'm doing
0: great, sir. How are
2: you doing? I'm doing well, getting ready for the holidays. I assume you are as well. Yes, sir. Well, we're going to take time out of this busy holiday season today to talk to Sally Sampson, founder of Chop Chop Family, a nonprofit I had never heard of till you
0: introduced me to her. Yes, sir. I met Sally as a part of our work with Tufts University Food and Nutrition Innovation Council, and was immediately inspired by her work, which aims to help kids, families, and even older adults. And then I learned she doesn't live that far from where I do. So it led to a series of coffee conversations to learn more about Chop Shop and her work and even how Mission Radies could further highlight her efforts and identify schools we might be connected with uh, that could use their content. So really excited for our audience to learn more about Chop Chop and Sally and be as inspired as I was.
2: Yeah. And as I was looking into getting ready for this podcast, discovered that, you know, the core of what they do is teach kids how to cook and allow parents and grandparents to get in the kitchen with kids and and learn more about cooking, which I think would be great for a lot of our members who may have grandkids and are looking for ways to connect. So really excited. And without further ado, let's talk to Sally Sampson, the founder of Chop Chop Family. Well, today's podcast guest is Sally Sampson. Sally is an author, publisher, cook, and founder of Chop Chop Family, a nonprofit organization that produces a collection of innovative magazines, cookbooks, cooking curricula, and digital content for children and their adults. Chop Chop Family's mission is to inspire and teach families to cook and eat real food together. So for our members who have grandkids, this is the perfect podcast. Chop Chop Magazine serves as an engaging and exciting tool for teaching kids about food, cooking, nutrition, so, without further ado, we're thrilled to welcome Sally Sampson to the Mission Readiness Podcast. Sally, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm honored.
2: No, it's great. I'm I'm really excited to introduce our listeners who don't know about Chop Chop Family to to that great organization. But before we start there, it really would be great to learn more about you, your background, your experience. Uh, could you please share some some details about your background, your upbringing, and how you built such an amazing career based on a passion for food and cooking?
1: Sure. I am a born and bred New Yorker. I grew up in Manhattan, and um, I now live in Nahant, Massachusetts, which is basically like a little island off the North Shore, 3,500 people. So it's about as far as you can get from New York City as possible. One thing that will particularly interest you as a vegetarian is that really how I got into this is that I became a vegetarian when I was 14, just sort of on a really like a whim. A friend said, hey, do you want to become a vegetarian? And I said, sure. And then After about two weeks, um, she said, I'm not going to do it anymore. And I was like, okay, I'm done. And then I just found, I didn't want to eat meat anymore. And my mother said like in a very nice way, well, you're on your own. You better learn how to cook. And, you know, in those days, um, vegetarianism wasn't really a thing. There weren't vegetarian restaurants. There really weren't vegetarian cookbooks. I mean, maybe the Moosewood cookbook by the time I was in college, but it was really my mother who said, learn how to cook. And I found that I loved it. And that, you know, it, it really was like therapy and being creative and sort of satisfied a million different things. And I really got into cooking after that and continued I had a little takeout shop when I was in my 20s and 30s and have started writing cookbooks and I think it's like the greatest career ever I don't think I could do anything that would be as much fun and as satisfying
2: well that's kind of amazing how you know actually out of necessity was born this entire program and all the you know the Cookbooks and the everything you've built out of chop chop that's that's very cool and I actually have the moosewood book ha- oh gosh I've had it for thirty years yeah absolutely uh, well your magazine which we talked about a little bit is really impressive that you know simple recipes fresh ingredients and you and you make the cooking process fun for kids which is not an easy thing to do could you please explain how you and your team go about the process of creating content for each issue.
1: So um, basically myself and the editor, we just actually did this. We sit down together. So the magazine is published quarterly with the seasons. So we start out with a theme for instance. So we just published winter, just printed. We just shot the photos for spring. And now we're working on the content for summer. So summer is generally speaking going to be no cooking, right? Or very little turning on the heat. So that we sort of start there and we say, all right, we're going to focus on one particular ingredient and one particular theme. That's just how we work. So for summer, um, oh my God, I'm blocking on what we just did. But so for instance, let's say we say, all right, we're going to focus on tomatoes. And then we say, all right, we want a a tomato salad. We want a tomato, you know, we just sort of start almost riffing on whatever that thing is. And then there's always a theme. And so the theme could be, let's go back to, to the holiday one, which just came out. It's edible gifts. So we just start there and start filling in, but we also have financial literacy in the magazine. So it's, you know, go to the grocery store, you have $10. Um, What can you buy in order to make this recipe or which is more expensive? We also have, we focus our whole thing is what are all the doors into cooking? So maybe you're a child who's really into science and you don't care about cooking. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna teach you about what is emulsification. And then maybe you say, oh, that's super interesting. So now you wanna make the salad dressing or cultural literacy or sort of almost anything you can think of. Like we look at every recipe and say, what can you learn by making this recipe? Does that make sense?
2: No, it does, and it. You know, it's funny that reminds me. I just watched a show on Apple Plus, a, a series called Lessons in Chemistry.
1: Oh my god, I loved it.
2: Did it, right?
1: Yes. It, yes. Fantastic.
2: It, it's a and it's about for our listeners. It's about a a woman in the fifties who's a chemistry expert or chemist, but because it's male dominated society, she can't get a job as a chemist. So she ends up on TV teaching cooking and she uses exactly what you talked about she talks about the chemistry behind cooking. it's a great series we are it's off so track great. yes we are a bit off track but let's get yes. back on chop chop magazine so I I'm guessing you 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 have to have an opportunity to work with a lot of kids and uh, I'm curious about what you've heard from them about the barriers and challenges they experience when it comes to you know selecting food cooking eating healthy etc
1: so sadly, it's generally the parents that are the barrier because what we find is that kids, you know, they want to experiment and they want to try new things and it's more likely a parent that's stopping them. Um, so my first, it was one of the first issues we, um, we doing a recipe with tofu and one of the models in the, in the magazine was the son of a friend of mine and he said to me sally i hate tofu do i have to make this and i said just make it you don't have to eat it you can make a face like we don't have the kids fake it if they don't like it that's fine so he's like okay that's fine i can do this and so i left the room i think i got a phone call i left the room and i came back into the room theo had not only made the tofu he, i'm not exaggerating he was basically licking the plate I said, Theo, what happened? Like You told me you didn't like tofu. And he said, well, I'd never tried it before. And he said, I love sesame seeds. And there were sesame seeds on the tofu. And so what we really learned from that was that if you pair something that a kid isn't inclined to eat with something that the kid loves, it sort of creates this dilemma for the child, but makes them want to eat it. So that's a technique we use now with picky eaters, but we really have found almost no resistance from kids in terms of trying things.
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny, That's that was my experience. There were so many foods I thought I didn't like and, and couldn't remember ever trying them. And then as an adult, you know, ended up loving them and, and eat them today. Well, yeah. I've, I, besides barriers, though, I, I have to think there have been some inspiring moments like the one you just shared. Right. Uh, when kids learn to cook something new for themselves. Any any stories that stand out?
1: Well, you know, we found like so we pre-pandemic, I mean, we did a lot of cooking classes. So we would do cooking classes basically to test our ideas like, oh, we think this is super interesting, but really we should see if a kid will. And so... What we found was kids who, you know, as I said, were super open. Like we did this, we have this product called the Eatable Alphabet, which is a deck of cards. And it was A is for avocado, B is for blueberries, that sort of thing. And F is for fish. And we were, people said to us, oh, don't do fish. Don't do fish. The kids are going to be grossed out. We did anchovies, sardines, and tuna. The kids tasted them all. These were two to five-year-olds. The mothers were like backing off, like, oh, no, 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 no. We, you know, the kids had no issue. And so that is really what's inspiring is the kids don't have these preconceived notions about, I mean, yes, sometimes they do. Like, I don't like tofu. But for the most part, they don't say, oh, fish is smelly. They're curious. And then once they make something, 99% of the time they want to try it and they want their parent to try it. So we usually with classes, we had the kids make enough so they could take some home. And because it's sort of like the artwork your kids make, they want to put it on the fridge, right? They want to show off what they did. So really that is inspiring. And also we've done classes where, we did a series of classes classes at Harvard School of Science and Engineering. And there were kids who came in. It was a food and science course. And there were kids who came in, or cooking and science. Kids who loved cooking had no interest in science. Kids who loved science, no interest in cooking. And when they saw that they were related back to lessons in chemistry, we found kids who had no interest in science now interested. Kids, kids who were not interested in cooking now interested. So it's fun, you know? So we there's just sort of... Fun and exciting experimentation on the kids' part.
2: No, that's incredible. It just it just makes me think that you could make chemistry and some of the other science classes in middle school so much more interesting if it were cooking first, you know, something exactly. Yeah, something more relatable to to kids.
1: And that is the thing about cooking. I mean, I'm not kidding when I say this, but sort of kidding. Cooking is really everything. There isn't anything you can't teach through cooking you want to t- teach finances you can do it through cooking and budget you yeah, want to teach absolutely. science you want to teach cultural uh openness you know you can language we chop chop also comes in out in spanish and so we have a lot of teachers who use it in their spanish classes again because it's relatable
2: no, it makes sense. And, and it raises my next question for you is how have you seen schools incorporate Chop Chop into their curriculum?
1: So we've seen it in sort of every class. For the most part, we've seen it in English classes. So reading comprehension, you know, you can ask a lot of questions just based on that and math. Those are the two biggest because you take a recipe, so have it order it, double it, you know, that kind of thing. Fractions. Oh, fractions. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Sally, we've talked about financial literacy a number of times. Kids learn in fraction, learn in math. Is Chop Chop Family doing anything specifically in this area?
1: We are. We started out with a column in the magazine on financial literacy, and then we really felt like this is more than a column. This is more than teaching kids to go to the grocery store and to compare sizes. Financial literacy is really important. And um, it is as important, if not more important than nutritional literacy. So we launched a magazine called Benjamin. And what we do with that magazine is, similarly to Chop Chop, we sort of come at it from every direction. So uh, what is compound interest? Why should you save money? Um, and lots of really fun things. Like we did in in Chop Chop, we do a page on what's different. So on one side of the page, we'll show a bunch of things, and then we make changes, and we show it on the other side. We did this with um, in Benjamin with paper money. So it's gorgeous, and it teaches kids. I mean, you might be somebody who's not interested in paper money, but you look at it, and it's art. And so you start getting interested in that way. But I think it's really critical for children to start at a very young age to understand money, to have conversations about money, and particularly to save money. Because particularly if you look at compound interest, the earlier you start, the more that money is going to grow. So I started giving my kids an allowance when they were in preschool. Their preschool happened to be right next door to a bank. I gave them $6 a month. They got to keep $2 to buy whatever they wanted. $2 went into a savings account and $2 went into a charity account, which again, the idea of being charitable, as soon as you, if you can start that young, that also just stays with them. So yes, we are trying to do something.
2: Now, it sounds amazing. And I assume the, the name Benjamin comes from Benjamin Franklin, who was known for thrift.
1: It does come from Benjamin Franklin, but also my son's name is Benjamin. So there's a little fun.
2: (laughs) Well, as you know, Sally at Mission Readiness, you know, our efforts are to focus on ensuring kids stay in school, stay fit, stay healthy, stay out of trouble. Sounds like there could be some real synergy with what we do and what you all do. How could the members of Mission Readiness help you and your team at Chop Chop Family?
1: Well, we are a nonprofit and we sort of operate differently than most nonprofits. So I kid around and I say, We're a nonprofit that doesn't behave like a nonprofit. We're a magazine that doesn't behave like a magazine. So 90% of our business is in bulk sales. So an organization purchases magazines and then they distribute it. So for the most part, the beneficiary isn't working with us so for mission readiness you know it would be great if they distributed the magazine into schools we also do subscriptions but that's a very small part you know like you could get it for your grandchildren or your children you can get a subscription but for most of our business is a big organization distributing it to either people who they consider to be at risk, in need, you know, anything, anybody who could benefit by getting the magazine.
2: Now, it makes sense. So it sounds to me like our members who might be involved with their local school districts, involved with youth programs, uh, junior ROTC, lots of other venues like that. There might be an opportunity to reach out to you all and and get some of those magazines and and distribute them to, to families and kids.
1: That would be great. And we also do have curriculum. So ah. if somebody wants to use it in a school, we have curriculum that shows you how you can use it in literally any subject.
2: Okay. No, oh, that's great. Good to know. Thank you. Well, where do our listeners go to learn more about Chop Chop Family and and, and look at your magazines and cookbooks?
1: Um, www.chopchopfamily.org. All
2: right. Www. All
1: lowercase.
2: Yep chopchopfamily.org Well Sally we always ask our guests the same final question what books have you been reading lately that you might recommend to your listener our listeners and also given your background i'd love some cookbook recommendations if you have any
1: Um well so i'm now reading um Demon Copperhead which i am loving it has nothing to do with food Um, it's a really wonderful, rich story. And I'm a little obsessed with, um, Abraham Verghese. Have you read any of his books? No. They're huge multi-generation books, usually medical-ish. Um, I had read, the first book is called The Covenant of Water. Okay. I believe that's what it's called. And, um, it's the, when I picked it up, I thought, oh, this is not, kind of book i like to read it's like a gazillion pages and i said it's generations and generations but they're beautifully written and i've written i you know how sometimes you read something by an author and you just keep going yeah i read every book by him i mean i think he's amazing i think you would love them just based on the conversation we had earlier as far as cookbooks i have to be honest i don't use that many cookbooks because I myself have written 30 and I tend to be um, working on recipe development. Um, I'm sure that there, I am a fan of Molly Katzen who Moosewood cookbook. Her old books are amazing. Um, She used to be on our board. Actually, she was on our board of of advisors. She's amazing. Um, I can't, I'm a fan of um, Otto Lange.
2: Okay.
1: Have you, do you? Are you familiar with any of his books? No. You would enjoy them because he does a lot of vegetarian stuff. Okay, good. Um, let me think. I think that's kind of, I just recently got um, a cookbook from uh, Rancho Gordo, Gordo, which is, yeah. Yeah. they make beans. You would also like those. And there's interesting stuff in there. Okay. So that's that's it for now
2: that's that's a pretty good list and of course we'll add uh, the chop chop family uh, cookbooks to the top of that list so we'll encourage everybody to go look at those. Well Sally thanks so much for the conversation to join us today We appreciate what you and your team are doing I'm I'm glad we got to introduce our members to it because they are they're all across the nation in fact across the globe and and, and hopefully if they have that need they'll reach out. That'd be great. uh, And help kids grow up healthier and and financially literate and prepare for successful lives. Great. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. Absolutely.
2: Well, Jake, I really enjoyed that conversation with Sally. What a fascinating person and and just neat to hear what she's doing to help parents and grandparents engage with kids in the kitchen and, and learn to cook.
0: Yes, sir. You know, this podcast has been a a cool platform to have interactive and fun conversations with leaders of all kinds of backgrounds and experiences. And I really enjoyed the discussion as well. And it reminded me of similar conversations we've had with Fred Espinoza. He was the Nutrition Services Director at San Diego Unified School District. And Chef Dan Juicy at Brigade. These are leaders who are on the front lines of engaging kids and helping them not just eat well, but be a part of the process and conversation around healthy food.
2: No, I couldn't agree more. And I I tell you, it's been a real privilege as part of this podcast for me to learn about all these amazing leaders and resources and organizations that are out there trying to do some of the same things we do at Mission Readiness. Agreed, sir. Absolutely. Well, listen, happy holidays to you, Jake, and, and the, the whole pod squad there uh, as, as we head into the holidays. And, and thanks to all our listeners. We'll be back in 2024, of course. Uh, and thanks, as always, for listening to the Mission Readiness Podcast. Today's show was written and produced by Jake Ferreira, Kimberly Little, and Becky Mendoza. For more about Mission Readiness or to find an archive of every episode of the podcast, visit strongnation.org. This program is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe, give us a positive review, and tell your friends about the program. Until next time, thank you for supporting our work at Mission Readiness to strengthen national security by ensuring kids stay in school, in shape, and out of trouble.